We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. IB Nation, welcome back to another edition of the Irish Breakdown Podcast. That dude, you know who that is, right? That's Ryan Roberts. I'm Brian Driscoll, and we are back for another edition of of Talking Notre Dame Football. And and Ryan, we're kind of going through a little bit of an off-season overview of each position and sort of a state of the union type of thing. And we did kind of big picture offense and defense and the team, and now we're kind of going through each position, and we're rotating offense and defense. And today we're going to talk about the wide receiver position because I'll be honest with you, Ryan, the intriguing thing about this position is that for, for, for a reason that probably we should not have is I have a great deal of confidence in this group going into next season. And I have a great deal of optimism about this group going into the next season. But when you really sit and think about it, there's really no reason to have that confidence other than just potential. I think that's the big thing here is look, we know the O-line's got to play great. We know the quarterback's got to play great, but it can't just be them, right? The receivers have to step up, especially in big games. And how good this offense is going to be, is going to be partly determined. And, and, and a good part, like a, a significant part, is how much or how quickly or to what degree can this receiving core go from the potential that we're going to discuss – to proven production. And right now, almost exclusively, this room is about potential. Even a player like Caleb Smith who transferred in, it's still about potential because you're projecting what will he do with a better quarterback and a better system and things along those lines. And so that's going to be the big thing this offseason, right? And then moving forward is do they have the pieces in place coaching-wise, system-wise, and personnel-wise to take it from a group that, yes, they get a lot of highly ranked kids. There's a hot – I mean, other than O-line, there might not be a position on the on the offensive side of the ball that has more highly ranked recruits for those who are the star worshipers. This group, if you are someone who believes in that, should be absolutely outstanding this season because it's nothing but four-star players from top to bottom and several top 100 players. But it's still about potential and how quickly, Ryan, can they get to production. And then we're going to find out, too, what role – did the quarterback play, maybe if any, 
in the group not reaching expectations in 2022 because there's going to be no excuses for the receivers in 2023, Ryan. And so that's what really makes this conversation fascinating is a level of confidence that I have. I don't know about you. I'm not speaking for you. I'm talking about me that I have because we haven't discussed it in this group where when you sit and think about it, you're like, yeah, I really should probably be a little bit more skeptical of this group than I am based on what they've accomplished. And that's what makes this conversation to me fascinating. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I feel like we talk about margin for error a lot. And I mean, this is a group where I think you feel confident about it because not only is there a lot of talent in the room, like you kind of talked about, there's also a lot more bodies than what they've had over the last couple of years. You know, I mean, we're a year removed from going into last spring where it's like, if Notre Dame has one injury, it's like, you know, sound the alarm. Like, this is not great. You know, there's just not enough bodies in the room. And now you're looking and it's like, you have, all the returnees, you ha- bring in Caleb Smith, you're bringing in a four-man 2023 class. There's a lot of potential and a lot of talent, but also there's numbers, right? And usually when you have nine, ten wide receivers that are as talented as what Notre Dame has, usually a few of them are going to pan out, right? Even if three or four maybe aren't ready for prime time or don't take the necessary step, you still have a plethora of other talented options that are on the table for potentially being what Notre Dame needs in order to be that type of upper echelon team. And I think that that's probably what gives you the biggest optimism, Brian, is that like there's options, there's numbers, which is talent. It's just talent across or just, let's just say physical talent across the board. I mean, you mentioned, you know, there's nine scholarship players of guys who came into Notre Dame as scholarship players. Right. And then number 10 is Matt Salerno. So you have obviously Caleb Smith, the transfer. You have Matt Salerno. You have the three players from the 2021 class, Lorenzo Styles, Deion Colsey, Jaden Thomas. That gives you five. You have six in, in, in uh, Tobias Merriweather, and you have the four incoming freshmen. It's a very healthy number. Yes. I think 12 is probably the ideal like max number you want to have. So they're getting much closer to that. 
But as you said, th- there's a ton of there, if a guy goes down here, you you mentioned it this year. You know, Notre Dame couldn't afford to have an injury this year. Well, then they ended up having two. Yeah. You know, and and uh, the, the the only two veterans, like two of the three veterans that they had on this roster this year, both went down with season-ending injuries at one point in time. Not season-ending injuries, significant injuries. And then obviously Joe Wilkins Jr.'s injury kept him from really working up the depth chart, and then he ultimately transferred. And then obviously Avery Davis, as we know, was lost for the season. So you look at it and Ryan, you say, you know, that's the one thing you couldn't have. And then not only did you have it, but you had it in your veteran group. You had it in your leadership core. Right. And I think that factored into why this group, in my opinion, didn't didn't really thrive in 2022. It's one of the reasons they didn't thrive in 2022. But the other part is because some guys just didn't play to their potential. I mean, well, then you talk about injuries, too. You know, Deion Colsey started the year banged up. And then Tobias Merriweather ended the year banged up for a lot of parts. So it just was a very unhealthy group. And as you mentioned, once you started that happen, it was like, there was like, okay, you just don't have the bodies to field a, a competent receiving core depth wise. Well, now you're in a situation where you could have four injuries and you still have five really good football players ready to go. Yes. And you just, there, there's just less, there's more, like you said, more, more margin for error. And they're all, they all can play. Now you start getting to the point where if some of those injuries are veterans, you're forced to play some younger guys that maybe might not be ready. Maybe, you know, but this is one of those things where if you're Chancey Stuckey and you're Tommy Reese, it's like, Hey, no more of this. You can't play until you know the whole offense stuff. Right. You got to find a way to, okay, whatever the situation is, if Jaden Greathouse and Braylon James or Caleb Smith, the freshman Caleb Smith, that's just going to get super confusing. I, I mean, there's someone needs a nickname. I think they call yeah. him Caleb. Let's Smith call him young. Well, I, th- I think they call the freshman coming in KK. I think I've KK? seen a bunch of times. I'm so... not calling him KK. We'll call him young Caleb. How about that? Right. How about double um, K? Double K better? No, we'll just go with we'll go with young Caleb, right? So if you go, you can call him whatever you want. I'm not K squared. Got it. Yeah, I can't. I can't do it. So if you go with young Caleb, and then uh, we and then obviously Rico Flores. If you don't have a package going into every game that those kids can execute, if they're needed, then you're not doing this right. And and those are the things you look at and say, boy, they're just a much greater margin for error. However within that margin for error at some point in time, these guys got to start stepping up and playing better. Yep. Last year, there was all the excuses in the world last year. And, you know, we'll, 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 for the sake of argument, Ryan, we'll grant them. Quarterback play was a problem. Your depth was a problem. The system had to change the fit to quarterback and the personnel, which is more tight end running back. Down. We'll, we'll, we'll grant all those for the sake of argument. Okay. Just to say, okay, it's t- just for the sake of moving on from last season okay moving on fine it is what it is those aren't issues now though you have plenty of talent and depth at quarterback now you're not a tight end dominant team going into 2023 your offensive line is far more prepared and and you should be have an offense that's going to be much different and now your young your young guys from last year in a lot of ways are not young anymore Juniors. Lorenzo Styles, Deion Colsey, Jane Thomas, they're all, they're all juniors now. They've all played a lot of snaps. Yep. Lorenzo has what? I mean, what's he over? He's over 40, 50. He's over 50 now career catches, correct? Then you have like 20 as a freshman, and then he had over 30 this year, I believe. You know, so so he's in a situation where he's no longer, yeah, he's got 54 career catches at this point in time for over six, almost 700 yards. You know, Jaden Thomas last year played a ton of snaps. 
caught 25 passes. Deion Coles, he didn't catch a lot of balls, but he caught some clutch passes in some big games. And he's got now nine career catches. He's now been in the rotation to some degree for now two years. Those guys are veterans now. Then he started acting like it. He started playing like it, all of them. Tobias Merriweather kind of went through his freshman ups and downs. You're a sophomore now. You've got some snaps under your belt. It's time to step up and play. And then, of course, you know, Caleb Smith, the elder, is is obviously played a lot of football at Virginia Tech. Hasn't caught a ton of passes, but he's he's probably getting close to about probably about close to a thousand yards in his career, I believe. Ryan at this point had, in time. So he had six hundred something last year, right? right? Just last year. I think year, he only so. had like two two or three hundred a year before. Uh he's getting close to it. Let me just let me just pull it up here real quick. Yeah, he's just over a thousand. So he has eleven hundred and forty three yards in his career, seventy four catches and seven touchdowns. So you know he hasn't ever had like a year where he's had to be the guy. I mean he was kind of there the guy last year, but their guy last year because their pass game was so bad, you know had 600 some receiving yards he it just it was just not a very good passing offense if we're going to be honest and then the next highest number on that offense was 256 so it was a problem so ryan you look at it and say you know there, there's there's the talent there guys are older now but there's a lot of roles that that have to be stepped into that guys have not shown that they can do right lorenzo styles all the talent in the world it's got to show that he can be that guy Deion Colsey flashed that potential, to, but can he be a starter? We don't know. Tobias Merriweather, all the talent in the world, caught one pass last year. We can blame it on whoever we want, but the fact is now it's time for him to, to show, hey, I, I'm, this, I'm this guy. Let's go play ball. Because we know the staff's going to give him those chances to do it, right? And so now it's time to step into it and continue to develop. And then, of course, there's the freshman and all that. So now it kind of comes into, okay, now we're going to learn a lot about Chancey Stuckey. Yes. Here, here's what I mean. Last year, Chancey Stuckey was starting, honestly, with a net negative from a coaching standpoint, if we're going to be honest. There were some really bad habits that these kids had that he had to break. And there was a lot of fundamental stuff that he had to install that was not installed. Normally, when you walk into a receiver room like Notre Dame's, the talent they have, there's a foundation that's been established. And so that's the baseline. What I mean in net negative is there was not a foundation established and some of the things that had been established were very bad habits. So that's why I say net negative. So he had to get them back up to just the foundation and then get them beyond. And he did that. But a lot of the stuff that they started to show late in the year, Ryan, was the basics that they were lacking. It was not next level stuff. Now the question, so we know that Coach Stuckey can, can break the bad habits and start building into some of the you know, the, the, the basic stuff, right. Which is, it's kind of sad that, that we're saying that that's not a knock on Chancey Stuckey. That's a knock on who was there before. So he, he built some of the foundational stuff, like knowing how to get off of a press. We were so, we were like praising that last year at the end of the year. And, And it's so sad that we had to praise that that should just be assumed, but different story for a different day. Now we've got to find out Ryan, two things about Chancey Stuckey. Number one, can you recruit to Notre Dame when you have to start fresh at Notre Dame, right? Meaning last year's receiving core was guys that you had already established a very long relationship with at another place. And you did a great job. I expect him to do it, but it's, it's still, he's got a one year does not define you as a coach, as a recruiter. Like we're not heaping praises on Mike Mickens because of how good the Benjamin Morrison, Jaden Mickey class was. It was, 
I liked the first class he had, especially considering he couldn't go on the road and recruit with Philip Riley, who was a four-star, Ryan Barnes, who I liked, Chance Tucker, who I liked. Uh, and then you come into the next year, and then you do Mickens and Morrissey, or Mickey and Morrissey. Then you combine that with Gray and, and Bell. So it's the consecutive recruiting that has stood out. Coach Stuckey now has to show that he can do that. So those are the twofold things that he'll need to do. We'll get into the second part later when we look at the future of the position. But right now, this is a big offseason for him because he now has to show that he can take these guys to another level. And he has to show that he can do something that Mike Mickens had to do at one time in his career, which is take a guy whose head was not in the right place, in Shreek Bracey, and get him in the right place. I'll just say it. Lorenzo Styles' head and attitude was not in the right place last year. He did not have a good attitude. He was not a good teammate, for, and I've heard this from many sources. He is not a guy that, that was playing the game the right way with the right effort, the right urgency, the right focus, and his play suffered because of it. And can he get that kid's head where he needs to be? That's, that's going to be a challenge for him. And if not, can you then say, okay, step aside then and get somebody else in there? Which is not an easy task because you know there's a chance that means you might lose them, right? That That's a big test for him, the Lorenzo Styles test, and we'll get into that here in a little bit. But then also, can you take all those different types of receivers you have? Because Lorenzo needs to be coached a lot differently than Dion, who's going to be coached differently to Tobias and so forth and so on. Can you now start adding some sort of second-level classes onto their, their list, right? You've taught the basics. Good for you. Good job. That's, that's something that's been lacking for years. But can you take it to the next level mentally? And physically, that's something that Chancey Stuckey still has to prove because he just hasn't had to do it. He was at Baylor for one year. He's been in Notre Dame for one year. He's never been somewhere two years in a row where you can see what's that next level job of coaching that you're going to be able to do this year. Sure. Well, and and I, I think that that's a great point, too, because that was one of the other reasons where I was going to kind of say that I feel optimistic about this this wide receiver unit is because there is a lot of diversity to the skill sets that they have. You know, like this isn't if you had nine or ten guys, let's say, that all just fit into one or two spots, you would still like the talent, but at the end of the day, it doesn't fit incredibly well together, right? Because you can't get all those players on the field and mix and match the different skill sets that they have. When you're Notre Dame now, you look and you say, I have my towers outside that I can go to. I have guys that I can put in the slot. I can bring a a little bit more of a sleek, explosive slot in a Lorenzo Styles, or I can throw a Jaden Thomas out there who's a big body slot. Or if I want to bring in a young kid like a Caleb Smith that is more of the traditional slot, I can do that as well. I have guys that can pr- play two different positions. I have a guy, a couple guys that maybe could even play all three different positions in Notre Dame's offense. So you have diversity of skill set, which is great in a vacuum, right? It's awesome because there's so many possibilities. But to your point – and we talked about this with Tommy Reese coaching quarterbacks, right? You are still coaching players that are different and are going to win differently, and they have to win differently, right? The way that Deion Colsey wins, it's going to be a lot different than what K.K. Smith, how he wins in the slot, right? Like they're going to be much different as far as how they attack leverage, how they attack blind spots, how they run routes because they're different body types, getting in and out of breaks, sinking the hips, some are going to be more natural. Some are not going to be. So those things are very interesting. And I agree that that second year is usually where you see that massive step taken or lack thereof, right? If there is a bigger point that you can reach or if you kind of hit a little bit of a plateau. And I think that for me, you know, everything I've heard, 
I'd like to think that, and I, I believe that Chancey Stuckey is going to take this unit to a much higher level in year two than comparative to year one. And if I, I backtrack real quick to recruiting too, Brian, I will say this, man, because it's it's a fair point, and we've talked about it a lot, and I know people on the board have talked about it, and it is reasonable, right? He gets here. Chancey Stuckey already had relationships with Jaden Greathouse. He already had relationships with Braylon James, right? So it's easier to recruit those guys because he had already been building relationships and bring them to Notre Dame. You're starting from a little bit more of a, of a baseline, of a flat floor there. But you want to add something real quick? Yeah, I do, because yeah. you're making a good point. But I want to point out, yeah. too, is there was a stigma that went with him when he went from Baylor to Notre Dame sure. that I think helped him with those guys. No doubt. They really liked him, but he was a Baylor. I'm not going to Baylor. Oh, right. wow, he's at Notre Dame now. And there was that boost I think you got. Yes. Now, in year two, however, it's starting from scratch. It's it's building those relationships. And it's just different at Notre Dame. And this isn't us saying he can't do it. Hmm. It's just saying he has to prove that he can do it. it he just my, The point being, there were kids in his home state that he could go out and see often that he was able to go get. Well, you can't do that with Michael Hudson the way you could with Jalen Greathouse. Exactly. Right? You can't do that with Brito Richardson the way that you could with Braylon James. And so forth and so on. And that's going to be the key. Again, it's not saying he can't do it. It's just look with anything. You One great year doesn't mean that you're success, right? Ed Orgeron won a national championship. Does that mean he's a great coach? No. It means he had a great year, right? But otherwise, he was a pretty mediocre coach most of the time, right? And so it's about the consistency. And can yes. you do it year after year after year? And it's important because it's needed also to restock the depth chart because of the issues that that did exist. No doubt. And and no doubt. that's that's kind of where where I'm coming from when I when I say it's still a question mark. It's not that we're doubting he can do it. It's already off to a pretty darn good start in his class with Cam Williams, right? It's a really good start. It's it's just okay. Now it's time to take it to that next level, and that's what he needs to see from a recruiting yep. standpoint. But the coaching standpoint is the one, right? To me, that's an even bigger question mark. Like the recruiting thing, I kind of feel like he's going to be fine there, and he's going to have help. You know, Tom Maurice, Marcus Freeman, Chad Bowden, all those guys. The coaching one to me is the bigger question mark because honestly, if that's good, the other part somewhat takes care of itself, in in my opinion. If the coaching part is good, the receiver part, the recruiting part will be much easier to do. Yeah. Well, and I, I but I do, you know, from the recruiting side, I still do want to see because I mean, because it is fair, right? Because you had out of a four man class, Chancey Stuckey got three players from the state of Texas, twos that you had deep relationships with, and then one Caleb Smith that was a little bit more of a late riser from the recruiting ranking perspective, right? So I want to see him, though, be able to get a player like Ryan Wingo from Missouri or Jeremiah McClellan or touch into the state of Florida, touch some of these other regions, you know, and be able to show that, you know, the recruiting prowess extends past the Texas baseline that you had to begin with. Like, I want to see him be able to go into different areas and for, and forecast that in the right way. And I think that from everything I've heard from players that are on the board and just kind of their opinions of Coach Stuckey, I think that his recruiting is going to be very good. And I think that it's going to continue to ascend. But, I mean, to your main point, Brian, this is a case study right now, year two for Chancey Stuckey, because to your point, we have never seen a year two of Chancey Stuckey at a place coaching. Like, you just literally haven't seen it, right? And at the end of the day, the room is more talented, which gives us more optimism, higher upside. But if, but this is also, there's also pressure there, right? Because if you look at it and if you leave 2023 and it's like, 
Tobias Merriweather didn't make the jump. Deion Coles didn't make the jump. Then you're like, well, why didn't they make the jump, right? And at the end of at the baseline, you're going to look at the coach. And I think that I do think that Chancey Stegg is going to be able to get the most out of these guys. But at the end of the day, the results are what happens every Saturday. And you want to see those things. And, you know, he went to Baylor in his one year and he made Tyquan Thornton a second round pick, right? It was a modest, modest player that was able to really turn it on and become a really high playmaker. RJ Sneed was a player that had a big improvement under him in his one year at Baylor. But until you see that second year under Coach Stuckey, you don't know what it looks like, right? You can still be optimistic. You can still be very, you know, you could look forward to the to the fruits of the labor and what he's going to be able to do because I think the world of him. I think that he's going to do a very good job. I think that the talent in the room is going to take a huge step forward. But until you see that year two, you can't tell me you tangibly know what to expect from Chancey Stuckey in year two. You, I mean, you looked about. You always talked about Harry Heastand, right? Like year three under Harry Heastand, you know what's happening, right? Like because there's right. a track record. You've With seen many it. players seen over it. years, right? Exactly, right. So, I mean, I mean, look, we could sit there and say, no, no, I'm confident he's going to do it, and and that's where some of my optimism comes from. There's a level of confidence that Chancey Stuckey's going to get him there, but I still need to see it, and and that's kind of where I, I I say like I'm going to. I'm just telling y'all now, I'm going to sound very confident in the receiving core from here until the season. And and it's a, it's a, it's an optimism kind of built on faith in the talent that or recognition of the talent, faith in the coaching that he, that they're going to receive from Chancey Stuckey. It's going to at least be solid and solid's good a receiver. It's not great, but it's at least good. It's so it's at least going to be solid. And then it's also a confidence in that I think that the system and the the fa- is is going to benefit them because they're going to finally have a quarterback that can get them the football, whether it's you know Sam Hartman or Tyler Buckner, because Tyler Buckner is going to be a better player next year than he was early in twenty twenty two. Whether that's good enough to be the starter, but we'll we'll find out. But the the quarterback play is going to be there. The line's going to be better than it was for the first half of last year. And these players are all older. So that, but at the same time, please understand, because I don't want to have to say this every time I say something positive about the quarterbacks is it's very much a show me season for a lot of these guys, a lot of these guys, coaching wise and player wise, and they still have to show it. So I'm optimistic it's going to be good, but they need to prove it. You know, like, like somebody was complaining, I don't remember who it was, but somebody's complaining about how. You know, the Notre Dame receivers aren't getting enough love, preseason love. And I'm like, well, why should they? Right. I mean, what have they done to prove that? I mean, we have one game from Lorenzo Styles, and you know, we're all talking about how how good we thought Deion Colsey was, and he did, but he had nine catches last year. So if you're not someone who watches Notre Dame every game, what about his nine catches from 192 yards makes you think that people should be talking about how he's going to be the next Miles Boykin breakout or the next Chase Claypool or the next Michael Floyd? There's no evidence of that. We all know Tobias Merriweather is a very high, was a very talented kid, but he caught one pass last year. So, like from an outsider standpoint, what's what's why should they think that about the receiving core? And it's fair, it's fair. It's fair. And now it's time for them to show it. And the spring is going to be a really, really uh, interesting part of that. It's going to be a very interesting part of that. So I'm I'm very much looking forward to seeing how this group how this group develops. And they get to go against a pretty talented cornerback group for another game every single day in practice, which I think will also be 
a big opportunity. You know, it's going to go against guys like Benjamin Morrison. I know Cam Hart will obviously probably be limited, but to go against guys, Christian Gray coming in, Jaden Mickey, Ryan Barnes, Chance Tucker, Notre Dame. I mean, they're going to have to bring it every day, right? Because all of a sudden Mike Mickens has gotten that unit to a level where you're deep and you have good, t- good talents, obviously all the way around. So Thomas I mean, Harper you, as well for the slot guys. Yeah. I mean, so you better bring your lunch pill every day for the outside receivers. who are going to go against Benjamin Morrison every day in practice, right? Sure. The, Thomas Harper's, you know, playing in the slot. Like you, you better be ready to play or else they're going to take your lunch money. Well, that's the kind of the thing for Deion Colsey specifically too. And I think that's a great point, Ryan is it's, it's important. We talk about this with the line, right? We talk about this all the time with the offensive line. Well, we're confident the defensive line is at least going to be physically ready to play because they're going to have to battle Harry Heastan's offensive line every day. Yes. Well, the same is true on the other side of the ball. And, and I'll be honest with you. I, I've, I've been told this by several people. There was a lot of complaints in the past from the people on the defensive side of the ball about the receiving core because they weren't giving them a good look because they were thinking, boy, we're pretty good because we're shutting these guys down. And then they get to games and they're like, the some simple basic press release moves were burning them because they weren't seeing it. They weren't. Yeah. They, 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 it's just not something they went against in practice. They were just able to kind of come out and jam guys and just whoop their butts. And then come out of the year like, wow, these guys are doing these moves and we're not prepared for it. We're not doing this. We're not doing that. And, and last year started to change, which is a good thing. But it's true at the skill positions as well. The better the receivers play, the better it is for the corners. And the better the corners play, the better it is for the receivers. So we talk about like a Deion Colsey and a guy like that. Well, they're going to be going against Benjamin Morrison every day, as you mentioned. And if you're going to be successful and in, in, in win a starting job and prove yourself, you're going to have to do it against a pretty good football player. Yep. And then if they can have some success doing that, then it's going to make Benjamin Morrison a better football player. And those are the reasons that you, you, you feel that there's a level of optimism, right? Because if we're out there in the spring, we're seeing these guys making plays. Like, okay, they're doing it against some guys can play, you know, in some instances, right? But that it, it's gonna be interesting. It, it's gonna see how to see how it develops because look, what we'll, we'll kind of transition to to the to the next thing is is because, and that's part of the thing that you brought up, Brian, is you know, the next part of this is who steps up. Look, somebody's gonna start. Somebody's gonna be the leading receiver. Is it because that guy steps up and is the the guy, or is it because it's just Navy has a leading receiver. Army has a leading receiver. Air Force has a leading receiver. You know, just because someone leads the team in receptions doesn't mean that that person's an impact player. Somebody will inherently have to lead the team in receptions. Does someone right? does someone take that mantle, or are you best by default? Like that's bingo, where just like is. a starting lineup. Eleven dudes are going to start on both sides of the ball next year. I guarantee it. Right, and and but are you starting because somebody's got to play it? Or are you starting it because, well, of the bad options we have, <laughs> the he was one. the best. Yeah. And that's going to be a big question mark. So, so Ryan, as we as we look into this offseason, who steps up? And I think that's why it's really good that Notre Dame does have not just all the returners, but everybody except young Caleb Smith is going to be on the roster this spring. Jaden Greathouse is there this spring. Braylon James is there this spring. Rico Flores is there this spring. So you're going to have numbers, but you're going to have people pushing you from day one and – that's going to make it fascinating because they need people to step up. And it's not just one guy. They can't just have one guy emerge as the guy. We're not even having the alpha conversation. We'll have that as we get closer to the season. We're having the conversation about who steps up and takes hold of this room as, hey, even in spring ball, we get into a seven-on-seven. Because, seven, as you know, Marcus Freeman makes everything a competition. 
Every seven on seven is a competition. Every team period is a competition. There's going to be some level of competition built into all these things. Hey, we need to make a play here to win this competition. Who's that? Who's that guy going to be? Right. Hey, we need somebody to step up in this red zone situation. Who's going to step up and be that guy? Hey, we're in a team situation and the defense has kicked our butt the last two practices. Who's going to step up and make a play today? And the, hopefully it's more than one someone. Right. And, and so those are the things we're going to find out this spring, right? Is who, who's going to step up? And then also, not just from a playing standpoint, but who steps up into a leadership role this offseason? That's yeah. another big one. Because Caleb Smith comes in as a captain at Virginia Tech. But it's hard to go from a captain somewhere and then become a captain immediately with a bunch of dudes you didn't know. Absolutely. You know, he's, there's going to be a level of prove it there. You know, does 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 Deion Colsey become that guy? Is it Tobias? Is it Jaden Thomas? Is it Lorenzo? I don't know. I don't think it's going to be Lorenzo because of some things that went on this year. But if it does, that's a great sign because it means he did some maturing this offseason. Yeah. And so those are things too, right? Is who steps up as playmakers, who seizes control of certain positions, not just because they're the oldest, because they're the best, and because they're playmakers, and then who steps up and, and provides leadership. Because leadership should hopefully doesn't just come from one guy. There's all types of different leadership. Who are going to be those guys? And those are the things that that are going to be we have to see. We're going to have to see how it pans out this offseason because here's why it's important, Ryan, is, is not just this year, but moving forward. If you're Chancey Stuckey, because part of this overview is not just now, but future. You're creating a culture at Notre Dame and you're that room. You need to be establishing a level of accountability, a level of attention to detail, a level of discipline, a level of unit strength that has to come from how you lead the room as the coach. And so to me, you're in that weird time where you've got these veterans plus these really talented freshmen. What example are you setting to those young players? You know, if a guy doesn't have the right attitude and is, and isn't doing what he needs to do, do you keep trotting him out there? And then what lesson does that send to Jaden Greathouse and Braylon James and, 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 and Rico Flores. And then eventually once he arrives this summer, Caleb Smith, what message are you sending? And so those things are very important because the culture of your program is being established. Cause then in two years, those players are going to expect, well, wait a minute, why aren't you, why aren't you treating me the way I saw you treat Lorenzo two years ago, or the way that you treated Dion or Tobias or whatever, like or Jaden, like you, you know, those guys half butted it half the time, and you still started them. Why, why are you being different from me? It's a, it's a culture that's being created now. There's young play, there's veteran players you need to need to develop, and there's young players who who you need to make sure that they're coming along, not just as players, but they're coming along along from a culture standpoint. And again, there's all those different facets that go into what make a healthy position group room, right? Like accountability, discipline, you know, unit strength, uh, attention to detail, all those things that you as a coach have to demand from them. And part of demanding is also holding people accountable. And sometimes holding people accountable means negative consequences. Hey, man, your head wasn't right. So I'm going to give so-and-so a shot today and see how that guy handles it. Does he go pout in the other room? Then, you know, okay, he hasn't changed at all. He was just in a better mood because he was still a starter but he hasn't changed at all because I put so-and-so in there for two days as the starter. And this is how I reacted. Coaches need to do some of that stuff. And especially in the spring, if you have a guy like, you don't need to do that to Joe Alt and Blake Fisher. You know who they are. You don't need to do that as Zeke Corral, but maybe you need to do that with Lorenzo Styles. Maybe you need to do that with Deion Colsey. Maybe you need to do that with Tobias or with Jaden Thomas. Maybe you need to do that with Logan Diggs and Aldrich Estime. Right. Maybe you need to do that with Mitchell Evans. Got you know, guys who are maybe whoever steps in is initially at guard. Those are guys that you got to say, I'm gonna throw some adversity at this kid today. So I need to see how he's gonna handle it. 
that's part of coaching. That's part of being a good coach. And you don't explain to them why initially. Say, hey, look, I, I want to give so-and-so a shot. I, I want to see what so-and-so can do today. Because the other part of that too, Ryan, is you're wanting to see, okay, I'm, you know, Jaden Greathouse, I'm throwing you in with the ones today. I didn't tell you until right now in our team meeting before we got to practice. Because I want to see how you respond. I want to see how you respond to quickly being told you got to get in there and see how he performs. And then also see how the other guy handles it. Like, so it, let's just say, let's just say hypothetically that I'm going to say, I'm going to give Jaden Greathouse all the one reps today in the slot. Hey, Jaden Thomas, you know what? Today you're working with the twos. Does Jaden Thomas still go out there and play at the level he always does? Does he show leadership? Does he coach up Jaden when Jaden's out there in the first group, the group he wants to be in? Is he still, hey, you know, cheering him on, meeting him when he makes good plays, or is he pouting in the back? Well, from what I know of Jaden Thomas, the reason I'm using him, him as an example is because from what I've been told of Jaden Thomas, he's the kind of kid that would handle that well. And he wouldn't be happy about it. It'd be more of a, okay, you want to put me on the second team? I'm going to show you. I'm going to go out and have a great practice today. But I'm also going to be a great team, and I'm going to lead. I'm going to step up. I'm going to congratulate Jay when he makes a play. Or do you have a guy that kind of goes in the back of the line and pouts? Because that's going to tell you a lot about the healthier room. And so I hope the coach Stucky does. And it, people say, well, that's mind games. Yeah, exactly. Because I'm trying to teach mental toughness, but I'm also trying to, to bring out of you what your real character is. Because here's the reality, Ryan, as you know. It's easy to be a great teammate when everything's going great and you're the guy and everything's going awesome. But can you be a great teammate in a great part of this room when maybe things aren't going your way or you're sure. not happy with your lot in life, right? Like, like we saw this with Jack Cohn when he, when he got benched at times in 2021, who was the first person out there to congratulate Tyler Buckner? He'd make a play. Go watch the Virginia Tech game. Who was the first person to congratulate Tyler Buckner when he led them back from ten nothing deficit to fourteen ten lead? It was Jack Holm. Do you think Jack Holm was happy having been benched? Nope. But he understood there's something bigger here than just me. Yep. And that's why you knew that Jack was going to. But here's why that's important, right? Because if his head's not in the right place when Tyler gets hurt and he's got to come back in, he's not in the mind. He's not in the mind space to bring them back and win that ball game. And you need to know that. And there are times that you can develop that in practice. And so that's something that I'm very curious to see, Ryan, because this is a group who's who's the mental part to me is a much bigger question mark than the physical part with this group. Sure. Who has the mental toughness, the leadership, the care, the football character, and the focus to be a great player. And that's something I'm challenging this spring every bit as much as I'm teaching them how to get off the press, how to properly stem, how to attack leverage, how to properly execute a top end, how to get out of the break fundamentally properly, how to play with leverage, how to stack, all that other stuff. That's important, but this part's just as important. And that's not something that I think Coach Tucky could really focus on last year. Last year was just, I got to know who these kids are. I got to figure out who these kids are. And, oh, my God, they don't know how to get into a stance. <laughs> you know what I mean? These kids have no concept of how to get off a press release, how to adjust their – their body, depending on press versus inside, outside, head up, whatever, off, they have no clue how to do all this. I have to teach them how to play wide receiver at a very basic level. Well, that's not, that's in the rear view now. Now it's taking that next level. And that goes back to that challenge of Chancey Stuckey, but also the challenge of the players, Ryan, is who is going to merge and take that challenge well and step up and be the guy. And hopefully the answer by the end of the spring is there isn't one guy that did that. Sure. There's multiple guys that did that. That's going to tell us a lot about how good group this group can be. I mean, and they, I mean, the competitiveness that you're talking about, right? The competitive fire to be the absolute best and 
to work through adversity. Like that's what separates the good players from the great players, right? The average players from the good players. Like that is a separating factor. It really is. And I think that honestly, something that hurt the 2022 version of this group is when Avery Davis and Joe Wilkins get hurt, right? The, the lead dogs in the group, a bunch of sophomores were just pretty much, I don't want to say handed, but like they were forced into a situation where they had to be the guys, right? Like they didn't have to fend off Avery Davis or Joe Wilkins or guys that had been there and it kind of earned a little bit of that room respect at that point. Right. But this year I think it's completely different, Brian, because everybody like obviously Lorenzo didn't take the step forward that we wanted him to take, for instance. Right. And I'm not trying to, you know, I'm not throwing shade on Lorenzo. It's just, he was a guy that I expected to be a big time player in 2022. He did not fulfill that prophecy, but now you have four newcomers coming in, which I think is the best case scenario for this group because what I know about these young kids having covered them and talking to them is that Rico Flores, Jane Greathouse, and Braylon James have swagger to their game. They are competitive kids that expect to play football in 2023 and to play a lot of it, right? So if they – so. They're going to come in and set, and they are going to have that chip on their shoulder that I'm going to work my butt off to get on the fields. That's going to be there. So either Lorenzo Styles looks at one of them in the face and says, Nope, not today, and takes that challenge, or you're going to get passed up pretty quick. That's what's going to happen, in my opinion, right? Deion Colsey, you better be on your game every day because Jaden Greyhouse is coming, buddy. Braylon James is coming. Those kids are going to be ready to play from a mental standpoint, right? I'm not talking about the physical side of things. I'm not even talking about the technical nuance side of things, even though I think Jaden Greathouse will be one that will be ready to go in that department. But mentally, they are going to push those guys. We've talked about Deion Colsey in the past, Brian, a, a young man that is young for his age and maybe needs a little bit of a kick in the butt to fulfill his potential, right? Well, kicking the butt's coming, man. <laughs> if you don't think Jaden Greathouse is going to come and challenge you a little bit, you're wrong. You're absolutely wrong. So the young guys, well, the guys that were young last year that now were enter junior year, sophomore year, they're going to be challenged by a bunch of newcomers. And I didn't even mention the older Caleb Smith, who is right. going to be in obviously in the spring as well, who, but yes, wasn't incredibly productive at, at Virginia Tech, but still had more receiving yards than any receiver on the team last productive year. Relative to the offense that he played in. I mean, he had over oh, yeah. twice as many yards as anyone else in that offense. Yes. Yep. And, and and he's a and he's a veteran player, a captain, who's gonna come in and is going to compete his tail off. And if you are the receivers that are coming back that are all ultra talented, they are looking at four newbies coming into the group, guys that they don't know, guys that they're getting their first introduction to, that are all gonna be Guys that I will, I believe, will come in and will push those players. So you have and a good a balance. There's a fifth one that shows up in June. Exactly, that's a different type of cat. Yep. Yeah. So you got so you got four guys in the spring, and then another one that's coming in June. Obviously, to your point, so you have five newbies to this group that I think is going to really help the competitive nature of this conversation because there is no last year there was no huge threat of like, Hey, Lorenzo's not playing well. Well, who are you going to put in? Right? Like you had Dion that was injured to start the year. You had Joe Wilkins that was banged up. You had Avery Davis that was out for the season. There was just lack of numbers. 
This year, there's not going to be as much a lack for numbers. If a guy isn't playing well, there is options that are on that bench to come out and to to compete for you and to ha- have pl- and to and earn playing there time. Last year. It didn't exactly. matter how bad some people's attitude might have been. I still need to put someone out there, and that's really the options that I have, and, especially and for, in the year when Tobias went down. Yep, and I, I think the veterans have two. There's two things that are going to happen to the veterans, Brian. In my opinion, one, they're going to rise to the challenge. Maybe Lorenzo Styles gets out of his funk. Maybe Deion Colsey takes a step to the next level because he knows that he has to work that hard. Or they're not going to take the challenge. And then at that point, it's sink or swim. And if they sink, I know it sounds you know cutthroat or whatever, but like if a guy's not performing, there's options behind him and guys that should be ready to play. So I think that this is a great litmus test this, this winter into spring and then into the fall to see if the older now – talented receivers on the roster are up for the challenge and also if the newbies coming in are ready to play football because i think that there's going to be a couple kids that are going to be ready from the new group that's coming in but regardless competition makes everyone better man it's competition shows character at the end of the day if a player is a hard worker or is can assimilate a a hard working mentality that will show if they're not they won't so there's going to be a lot of there's going to be a lot of internal growth this offseason, I believe. If not, some guys might get left in the cold. I'm going to bring up a super chat to address something we were just talking about, and then we're going to get yep. back to this conversation, right? This is from Kirk D.A. Anderson Fitness. He says, "What is? thank you for the super chat, Kirk. He says, what is stemming and stacking? I'm also an IB subscriber. Any videos on the site about these topics? I, I don't know if we have one from the past, but I will say this, Kirk. This is a great time to bring this up. Starting next week, we are going to on our on our IB shows, our non-recruiting shows. We're actually going to start including the topic we're discussing, like today it's receivers, and then between that and the mailbag, we're going to have a, have a football one hundred and one segment. We're going to add every day, where every day we're going to talk about some kind of different football topic, and sometimes we'll tie it into the position group we're talking about, you know, type of thing. We're not doing that today because we're just we're not there yet. We're going to get that all set up for next week. We're going to come up with topics and do all that kind of stuff. So that I think that'll be a lot of fun. We've had a lot of people ask about that. Hopefully those are just like 10, 15, 20 minute segments. And then it just kind of go from there, but to, to your specific topic. So a stem is essentially the release that you have while attacking a defensive back. So your stem is going to be the, the path, right. From where you are to where you're going to get to, to the moment where you get on top of a defensive back. That means the point where you're now going to make some sort of move on him whether it's to run by him or whether then to break your rattle. So it's the stem. And so it's just, I mean, it, it, it's really just like, I mean, it, it just like here, here it is. It, it could look like this, but it's going to be a stem. Right. And then my whole big thing w- with stemming was I didn't use the word stemming a whole lot. It's just to explain what it is. But when you're actually coaching, at least I didn't use the word stem very often other than just like, you know, Hey, like the thing for me was, I had two things and I finally saw a Twitter video yesterday that, that talked about this talking about receiving court. And it was using, I can't remember who it was, but somebody, one of the playoff games this weekend, you know, where my whole thing was you're, you're aiming, you're attacking the leverage your stem is going to be focused on attacking the leverage of the defensive back. I, I think it was Brandon. Ayuk, by the way. Okay. Sorry, from the, it was for yeah. the Niners. Right. Yes. So you know where I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. And I say attack the leverage of a, of the defensive back and your aiming point is going to be his near shoulder. Now, there were some routes where I would have them really focus on the outside shoulder, no matter if that was, the, you know, but the point, I'm sorry, it was always the outside shoulder, excuse me. 
but sometimes I'd focus on the inside shoulder, just depending on the route that you're running. But your initial stem is going to attack his leverage. Leverage meaning if he's outside of me, his leverage is outside. I'm attacking him outside. If he's inside of me, I'm going to attack him inside. Because why? Normally, a defender is going to kind of line up in the part of the field he's taking away. And if he's lining up outside, because he doesn't want you to get outside of him. If he's inside, it's because that. Now, there will be, you know, good coach teams will kind of snap, flip that. So they'll line up inside at the snap and pedal outside. That's okay. That's why I gave him a naming point. Because if that guy widens out, you're still heading towards the outside shoulder, right? And then widen his outside shoulder. But there was a play in that NFL game where the, the corners lined up outside. And so what he wants you to do is he wants you to release inside of him because he wants you to be then closer to where his help is. He's outside means he's got, he doesn't have help outside. It means all his help is going to be inside. So what the receiver did was he just kept widening him and widening him and widening him and the corner kept sinking wider and wider and wider. And then he got to the top of his route and he just curled up. It was a simple curl route, but he was now way outside away from the inside help. So he had widened that guy out, threatened his outside and just curled up. That was like textbook route running 101 and stuff that we didn't really see from the Notre Dame receivers. Even last year, you didn't see a whole lot of that. And, and so what was cool about it is to, but you started to see them getting closer to that. But those are simple things, Kirk. Stacking is essentially, I mean, it's, it, you stack two cups, one goes right on top of the other, right? So essentially when you are running by a defensive back, a mistake that a lot of receivers will make is they'll just kind of get outside or inside and just kind of stay there. And then that allows the guy to just kind of stay right there on you, you know? So like if I'm running outside Ryan and you're covering me and I just stay on my vertical path, you're right there on my hip and you've got me covered. My job is to stack you, meaning that's to put you on my backside hip where I now have a, you're now trailing me and you can't do anything about it. So if I'm, if I'm here and I'm going to pass you, so if I go like, so like, it's probably better. If, I, if I'm coming at you and I go past you and I just stay outside, you're with me. But what I'm trying to t- do, teach guys to do is when you pass that guy, then you need to get on top of him and stack him. So they means no, he's now they, a trail position. They have no angle of that they can recover from if you're stacked right. on top of them. They player. can only go yeah. through you. Exactly. And so Which as long is as a pass a, interference. If, right. Uh, so as long right. as the ball is thrown correctly then you're in good place. So that's what stacking is stemming in. And I'm going to cut this into a video and we'll put this into our, so what we do is we put these onto our message board. There is a football 101 thing. Now there's not a lot in there because we just kind of went away from that, but that's going to be something we're going to do a lot more of here this off season. So we'll have all those in there. So that's what stacking and stemming is. And they're really football 101 stuff, really. Like there's other routes I use, like one of the ones I would always use, and I don't know if anybody else uses this, but I always had a thing where I taught my receivers was accelerate through the look back. Because a natural tendency of receivers is to, when they look back, to slow down. It's human nature. And I've, I, I, I've used driving a car as, as an example, Ryan. When you're driving through a neighborhood or you're out on a country road and you know that country road, it's the, it's the road you always take to go to your dad's house. You're, you're driving comfortably. You're almost like not even thinking about it. You, people ask you for directions. You're like, yeah, I don't really know what streets they are because I just know. I just know how to get there. So I don't need to slow down. But let's say you're coming to my house. You've never been there before. It's a country road and you're not sure because you're, you're going to be kind of slowing down. Like as you take your eyes off the road and you're looking at different you know roads and Milo markers, you're, you're going to take you're not going to be driving as aggressively. Not if you're smart. Your human nature is I'm just not going to be as fast. If you walk into a dark room that if you walk into your bedroom at night, let's say you're working and your wife's asleep and you walk in there and your eyes haven't adjusted and it's dark. 
you're fine because you know kind of the room. You walk into a dark room and, and it's, it's not a room you're comfortable in. Let's say it's the first night you move into a new house. You're going to be like kind of walking slow, feeling yourself around, right? Same thing. Because if you don't know where you're going, you're not going to want to go as fast. Well, that's the, so it's human nature. So you got to kind of coach that out of guys with a lot of guys. So accelerate through the look back means, you know, when you look back, speed up. Because in reality, they're not going to speed up. But what it does is it helps them maintain their speed. So there's all things like that that receivers, coaches will teach and stuff like that. And we're hoping to kind of put some of that, um, give you guys some of that stuff and help you understand our terminology a little bit better. So, Kirk, thank you very much for asking that question. And hopefully you understand now. Uh, but it also is a great time to remind people, too, that we're going to start doing the football one-on-one last week, which not surprisingly, when I brought up to Ryan, he was fired up about it. I don't think any of you are going to be surprised by that if you know him. So hopefully that helps you answer that question. Let's get back to the other part of it, Ryan, is because I, I think, you, you you know, we're talking about the you're, – you're correct. The young guys coming in, if the veterans don't step up, the young guys are going to beat them out. Mm-hmm. However, what I believe – you tell me if you agree or disagree, is that this team will reach its potential. It's, this, this, this team will, this unit will only reach its full potential for this season, for 2023. The only way that this unit reaches its full potential is at least if it, at least three of the returners step up and emerge, if not four. Because yeah. if they have to play the freshmen because those guys are beating out the veterans, that's a great sign for the future. But Jaden Greathouse will not be a, as good of a player in year one as he will be in year three. Braylon James will not be as good of a player in year one as he will be in year three. And that's true for Rico, and that's true for Caleb Smith. And so the reality is, yes, Lorenzo, Dion, Tobias, the older Caleb Smith, Matt Salerno, Jaden Thomas, all of them can potentially get beat out by a younger player. And I would throw Tobias into that conversation as well. He's a part of that younger player guy. Because Tobias will be better as a junior and a senior as he is, will be as a sophomore. And so if those younger guys beat him out, that's fine. I'm fine with that. Those are good players. But it's also a bummer because this is this team will be better if at least two of the – I'll say this. At least two of the three 2021 class members need to step up and take their game to another level. They need at least two of them. If all three, perfect. But if only one of those three guys really takes his game to another level, that's going to – that doesn't mean the receiving course can't still be pretty good, Ryan but I don't know if it can reach its full potential. And so, and I also think at the same time, this is kind of a now or never moment for that class. Cause to your point, if they don't step up now, they're going to find themselves beat out. So I think this enters a like for just looking at the short term, this is a very, very important off season for the 2021 receivers, which is Lorenzo styles, Deion Colsey and Jane Thomas. And the interesting thing of that trio the guy that I'm most confident in now and knowing what we're going to get from him in 2023 is the guy we had the least confidence in a year ago. And that's Jaden Thomas. Cause we kept saying, Hey, we hear all these good things, but I've never seen him do anything. I, I mean, he hasn't been, I haven't been in practices. The practices you guys were at didn't really do a whole lot. We kept hearing how good he was. And then he comes out early in 2022 and you're like, this is the dude you guys have been telling me how good he is. But by the middle of the year, you're like, oh, okay, yep, I get it. I see it now, right? And then by the end of the year, you're like, this dude's a pretty good player. So it is kind of funny how that changes where by the end, now I'm more confident in what I, I, what I can get from Jaden Thomas than I am from Lorenzo or Dion. But it's a big, it's a big offseason for all of them, Ryan. That yes. class largely is going to determine the ceiling of what this receiver room is going to be in 2023. I agree. I agree because I, I think that 
for me, like, yeah, you have a really nice four man class coming in, which is awesome, but also you shouldn't have to depend on freshmen to come in and be the guy from day one, right? Like that's, I think that's more of a, I think that says more about the veteran group that was there than it does about the freshman group, right? Cause it's awesome. It's like, Oh wow. If Jane Greathouse comes in and he's ready to compete, it's fantastic. But if a wide, if one of the older wide receivers doesn't fight back and then fend them off a little bit, or at least, you know, make it kind of split duty, then that's a bad sign, right? That's a really bad sign. And, and all due respect to Caleb Smith, the older Caleb Smith, because I think he's a good football player, but is he more talented than Deion Colsey? He's not, in my opinion, right? And when you look at that, it's like, well, if, if he's easily starting and he's a high-volume getter, that tells me Deion Colsey didn't take the next step, right? That tells me Tobias Merriweather maybe didn't take the next step. Whoever, one of the bigger outside receivers, probably didn't make that next maturation. And I think that it's a it's a failure from a class perspective for that 2021 group because it is exceptionally talented, right? I mean, from a talent level perspective, Deion Colsey should play in the NFL one day. Like, he's that talented. Lorenzo Styles has the, all the makings and all the talents level to be an NFL wide receiver. Jaden Thomas is a talented football player. They're all extremely talented. And at the end of the day, if they're coming out, and because I think for me, Brian, like the biggest thing is the newcomers coming in are all very talented, right? Like we've talked in nauseam about Braylon James, Jaden Greathouse, Rico Flores, Kate, Kate, the younger Caleb Smith. But the, that, that junior class to be, they're also very talented football players, and they have two years of experience over those guys. So if they're not, if they are getting beat out by those freshmen, I think that says more about the junior class that that Notre Dame has this year than what the freshman class would be. So I think that we are we see this one very closely eye to eye. I really do because I think that Deion Colsey is exceptionally talented. I think that Lorenzo Styles, if his head is on straight. He can be a very good football player. I believe that Jaden Thomas, if he takes the next step, could be a very impactful football player. And they're all equally talented. So if they get beat out, that's a very bad sign. And that tells me that that class may be a little bit of a flop and they need to be the best version of themselves. Because if you have those two out of three or even three of those guys that can play and have an impact on your team, that's when you stack the talent. And that's when you show what the upside could be. Because then you add in, you have Caleb Smith, who's played a lot of football. You have the four-man freshman class that are all very talented. One of the best wide receiver classes you've had at Notre Dame in several wow. years. Like you start stacking talent, and that's the differences between the really good teams and Georgia, where right. Georgia loses a player and they comes in. It's like, oh nope, you didn't even miss a beat because they're all talented and they're all ready to go. That that's the thing, right? I think you nailed it, Ryan. It is. If those guys can be complementary weapons, can be depth players, can be guys that you know Jaden Greathouse is is coming in and, and filling it, and him and Jaden Thomas are a rotation. But you know Jaden's the guy, and then Kayla, you know Jaden or Jaden Thomas is the guy, and then Jaden Greathouse comes in, and he's sort of the the understudy, the next guy in. And now you're getting two guys with similar skill sets that it doesn't matter who's on the field; they're both good players. But to the other team, they're they're just getting worked. But, you know, that's that's the ideal situation. If on the outside, it, it's better that Tobias steps up and is the guy. And, the, you know, if Braylon James or Rico steps up and he's the next man in, that they're 10 to 15 snap a game, you know, up next in line. When I'm in, I can make plays, but you're still the guy type of situation. It's better that way for this football team than for them to have to be the guy. 
And that's what we talk about, why it's so important for that group to step up. And, and a guy that it, it's a he's going to kind of start suffering a little bit of that middle child syndrome. And that's Tobias Merriweather. Because we're going to talk about the veterans and how they got to step up. And then we're going to talk about the talented freshman class and how good they can be. But, and I think the people, maybe not the middle child for people in this chat, but for a lot of Notre Dame Nation, because I think people in this chat understand how good the kid is. But he's in a unique situation too, because he's got a battle to beat out the veterans, but then also hold off the younger guys. So this is a really big offseason for Tobias Merriweather too, because it would not shock me, Ryan, if by season's end next year, he's their best receiver. He's got the talent to do so. But he's got to start showing it. He's got to step up and show it. Now, we've heard he's done well in practice, and there's a level of, okay, now you've got to, you've got to give him the opportunity to show it. Right. But Tobias wasn't an early enrollee last year. So this is his first chance to kind of go out in the spring without the pressure of, well, we've got to get ready for a game, so we've got to play the older guys. There's none of that nonsense in the spring. It's You're getting all these kids rep and see who the best guy is. This is a very, very important period for Tobias Merriweather because if he's going to claim hold to – like, look, I need to be a focal point of this offense. He's got to start to show it this spring. And if he does, all of a sudden, I start getting really fired up about what this receiving core can be. Because if Tobias really takes a jump, a, a you know, because I'll say this, I'm not predicting it because it's a lot to put on a kid. But I've talked a lot about the freshman to sophomore jump that we've seen receivers make at Notre Dame, where they didn't do a whole lot as freshmen. Golden Tate caught six passes as a freshman. Next year, sophomore, 1,000 yards. Will Fuller caught six passes as a freshman, most against Air Force. Comes out the next year, 1,000 yards. Equinemius St. Brown caught one pass as a freshman. Next year, would have had 1,000 yards if they played in a bowl game. So we've seen that, Ryan. Mm -hmm. Can Tobias make that kind of jump? Yeah, he can. Will he? I don't know. I don't know. But if he's going to, we're going to start to see it this spring. So he's a guy, too, that I'm going to have my eye on to say, okay, he's got a year in the weight room now. You know, he's got an opportunity in front of him. Braden's gone. There's no Avery. I mean, you know, it's your chance, bro. Go out and seize it. And and if he can start to kind of do that, it's it's going to make this unit better because now it's like, okay, Tobias is balling. If I want to be that guy, I got to step up or step out. And so we're going to start to see that. And and I'm I'm to me, that could be the – that could be the uh, the the final ingredient to this receiving core becoming one of the nation's best. Am I predicting it's going to be that? Nope. They got a they've got so much to prove. It would be total fanboys for me to come in and say, right now, Ryan, they're going to be one of the five best receiving cores in college football last year. Like, hey, bro, let's pump the brakes a little bit. You know what I mean? Like, this isn't a fanboy show, but it's got the talent, Ryan. If everything goes to to form that it could at least by the season's end be in a conversation where if they're not in that conversation, we're talking about how next year they definitely will be. So I think he could be the difference between whether or not we're talking about next year or whether it is this year. Because if they become that type of 5-10 to 10 group this year, I have a hard time seeing that without Tobias stepping up and being that guy. Because I still say to this day, he is going to be the most talented guy in the room, in my opinion. And and I, I I think you have a different of opinion on that, but I think he's at least in the conversation for you. Am I correct on that, Ryan? But I think he's the most talented guy in the room. And I think for you as for you as well, it's gonna be true. This part will be true for you. Whoever you think the best guy in the room is, that guy needs to play like the best guy in the room for this group to be the best it can be. 
for me, Good it's enough. Tobias, right? Who is who would that guy be for you? As far as like, if everybody plays to their potential this year, that's the most talented guy in the room. When you drive a vehicle so reliable, it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty. You stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. I mean, for me, I think the two guys that could have the biggest impact on this 2024, 2023 team, excuse me, and it, it, it Tobias is in that conversation, but for me, it's Deion Colsey and Tobias, Tobias Merriweather. Like, I think that those two guys are the key because it's not even just the fact of that they're both 6'4", 6'5", long guys that can make plays down the field. It also fits, though, perfectly into what Sam Hartman wants to do as a football player, as a quarterback, if he wins the starting job, right? Like, you've seen – at Wake Forest, when they had A.T. Perry and the Jamal Banks kid and Donovan Green, they always had those long trees outside that were their most impactful football players, even going back to like the Sage Surratt type of days at Wake Forest, right? Like they always had those tall boundary receivers. Well, not even boundary. They just had those tall outside receivers. It wasn't even just in the boundary. So I think for me, for this team to be – for the wide receiver unit to be the best possible – Tobias is in that conversation. Deion Colsey's in that conversation because I think that when Sam Hartman looking at a wide receiver to throw to, he's going to see those vines, right? He's going to see that size. He's going to see that vertical profile. And Tobias certainly fills that, man. I think that he's going to get a lot of opportunities to be that guy down the field. And I think that he's going to get a lot of opportunities when there's one-on-one coverage outside. And honestly, we didn't see that enough last year, right? It's like a guy has a one-on-one outside. Just take it see what happens because when they did take an opportunity last year, some good things did happen. I mean, I feel like I think about like the Brayden Lindsay catch against Navy, right? Like that fantastic catch down the field. I think about the, I think about, you know, several plays that you're looking at last year, you know, Jaden Thomas making the catch against BYU, even Matt Salerno in the first game of the season, making that contested catch down the field. When Notre Dame had opportunities to win outside, I feel like they made a decent amount of plays down the field. It just wasn't nearly enough. I know Sam Hartman's going to take those chances. And who are the guys that are going to be most likely outside as long as they take the step forward? It's Tobias Merriweather and Deion Colsey. So I think we're on the same page, Brian, in the sense that I think those bout, those big wide receivers especially, they need to step up this year because that is what Sam Hartman wants. Those are two of the most talented players on the roster in general. And if Deion Colsey and Tobias Merriweather are making plays outside the numbers, good luck trying to catch, stop these tight ends that Notre Dame is going to have. Good luck having Jaden Thomas, Lorenzo Styles, and that group inside in, in the slot. Like I think that that opens up so much if you have those tall, athletic, upside wide receivers making plays outside the numbers because I think that that's where – Notre Dame has a possibility to be a just a headache for opposing cornerbacks next year is the fact that you can match a lot of size outside, which is always going to be an advantage, at least from a body type perspective. So Ryan, we, we look at the, we look at the freshman class and part of what I'm curious about this season is to find out just how much they push. Right. I, I do think that's an interesting aspect of this is how much do they push this spring? You know, do, do they come in and because and, here's the one thing about that trio, all three of them. 
they're very confident. And, and I'll just be honest. The best receivers usually are borderline arrogant in their ability. And, and that's a, that's a good thing, right? Like that's the thing where like, I kind of want that guy to have that, you know, you can't guard me. Right. But then also have the work ethic and the desire to then go show it. Right. And, and, and that's to me what separates the good ones from the great ones. And, and part of me wonders if, cause I don't see a lot of that in the older players, to be honest with you, I don't see that same, like Deion Colsey, for example, he is one of the most polite, nice, respectful young men you're going to see. Does he have that, that mindset of I'm about to go put in work on you. I don't, I don't know if he has that naturally or not. I I don't know because I haven't seen him in practice regularly. So this is a genuine question because he doesn't really show that on the field. He didn't really show that in high school because it just came so easily to him. And, and Jaden Mickey's got a little bit of that. I don't know if Lorenzo has that. Here's the deal, though. I know that three of the four incoming freshmen have that. I, I leave Caleb Smith out, the younger, because I don't know enough about him to know that, right? It's more of a, a question. But part of me wonders is if if they come in, it would be a thing where I would look at it and say they could end up being the missing link for the veterans Agreed. because it can be infectious, like, oh, okay, this cat out here talking noise, and then he went out and, and backed it up. Like, okay, or or maybe you know they, they do it to each other in a in a fun way. But there's a lot of like I what I hated in the past. One of the things under Kelly's they would kind of tamp that down in the freshman class. You know, come in here with all that noise. Like, enough with that. I want this freshman class to say, I don't care what you say. Right? <laughs> if you don't like it, do something about it. If you don't be talking to you, do something about it. And that's something I loved about about. Jade Mickey, you could burn him for three straight touchdowns. He was going to still keep talking. It's just the confidence he had in himself, right? Benjamin Mickey had, or Benjamin Morrison has a, a confidence about himself. It manifests itself in a little bit different way. But you saw when Jade, when Benjamin Morrison made some big plays, he's got some swagger to him, right? He's got some confidence. I mean, it just, it just doesn't done in this form like it is with Jaden Mickey, right? It, but this receipt, Braylon James is a confident dude. Jaden Greathouse is a confident dude, and and they will both let you know that they're good, and and I think Rico's got a lot of that in him as as well, Ryan. And he's a confident. He's a dude that's got some. He's going to come in with the teeth and all you know. And he's like, guard me, I dare you. You know what I mean? I you know, and, and I hope that that be. I hope instead of the younger the veterans kind of not liking it and being like, hey, tamp that down, rookie. I hope it it feeds off on them. I hope the the attitude of the younger players can feed off on the veterans because if that happens, then I really start getting excited about what this room can be. Because if if because De- like here's the thing, if Dion's got that in him, but he just came into a culture where that wasn't really embraced, which is true, then maybe he's tamped that down a little bit. Sure. But now you come into a room where that that culture is embraced and encouraged, and I hope that they do. You know what, like. Then, then maybe that comes out of him, and if that's if that's buried inside of Dion, and it's just hasn't come out yet, dude, watch out for him next year, right? And then, and so those are important things. And then, if those guys outside step up, then I don't know how you guard Jane Thomas in the slot. Exactly. I really don't. I because, and and that's the thing that gets me fired up, Ryan. You can see I'm like sitting up on my chair, I'm getting fired up now. And that that could honestly be the biggest contribution the freshman class makes, even beyond any production they have, is if you guys can get those older players kick them in the flipping butt 
and 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 get them to talk trash. It could even be a thing where Dion makes a play and Jaden and Braylon are talking trash for him. You know what I mean? And Rico's talking trash for him. And then next time Dion's like, oh yeah, okay, cool. Let's do. And now Dion starts kind of being like, okay, I got this. He makes a big catch and looks at a cornerback on the ground. I like that stuff as long as you're not doing something that's going to get you a penalty. Yep. Right. Like I wanted receivers that had that, that, you know, I would almost kind of bring that out of guys if you could. I want guys that have. Because here's the thing, if they get beat, if they drop a ball, those guys are not going to be worried about it because they know it's not who they are. And if they, if you beat them in, in one day, they're going to come out that next day and they're going to try to whoop your butt. I want guys that if they have a bad game, if Dion comes out in a bad game and he only has two catches, you're like, and he dropped two balls, if you're the other team, I want you to be like, oh, man, crap. Dion didn't have a good game. Tobias didn't have a good game. He's going to be pissed. He's, you know what I mean? Like, uh, now I got to put up with a pissed off top Tobias Merriweather, pissed off Deion Cole, and heart. Oh, God, this is going to be a long week. Like, that's what I want. And that's what you get from the best ones. And so, to me, that's what I look at and, and say that's going to separate, honestly, that m- mindset is going to be the thing that separates, determines largely how good this group can be is what is their mindset about how they go about their business every day. And if the freshman, if the swagger of the freshman class, can spread through that entire position group, then this group will be phenomenal in 2023. Sure. I truly believe that, Ryan. Well, I, I would say this about that freshman class too, Brian. I mean, obviously that's a trait you're looking for, right? I, I We were talking about this on the show yesterday. Like, I think you need more of that, man. I think you do. Like there, there has to be that competitive fire. And it, like you said, it can manifest itself in different ways. But at the end of the day, that confidence and that swagger is something that you need on your football team. And I feel like with the 2023 freshman or the 2023 recruiting class for Notre Dame at wide receiver, you were looking for that personality trait, but also where does that come from is the best is the better question. It comes from big time programs, right? Programs that are used to winning. No stage is going to be too big for a Jaden Greathouse who just won three state championships, a part of one of the best teams in the country in Austin Westlake. Like they are used to winning football and Jaden Greathouse is the manifestation of how he carries himself is because he was a part of that program, right? They expect to win. Folsom high school is a winner. Like they win. That's all they do is win. You think Rico Flores is, is has as much swagger as he is just because of his personality. It's part of it. Sure. But it's also, he's used to winning. Like he wins and he dominates and he's a big part of it. Braylon James is playing against the Austin Westlakes every week, right? He's playing big time football in the state of Texas. There's no stage too big for these guys. They're used to it. They're used to playing big 6A football in the state of Texas. They're used to playing at Folsom High School against the De La Salles of the world and competing for state championships. You didn't target just talented football players in this wide receiver unit in 2023. You targeted swagger. You targeted players from the premier programs in the country because they're going to be able to come in and challenge. They're going to be able to come in and not have not have stars in their eyes, right? Like, I mean, we talked about that a ton. I don't think Jaden Greathouse, Braylon James, and Rico Flores showed up on campus, you know, a a couple weeks ago at this point with star stars in their eyes. Like, oh my God, I'm at Notre Dame. No, no, they expect to be at Notre Dame. They expect to compete against the best of the best. Every single week. That's where they that's what they've experienced. That's where they've been bred. They're used to winning. 
And I don't think that Jane Greathouse, Rico Flores, or any of the other wide receivers in this class are going to be shell-shocked or starstruck to be a part of Notre Dame. And that's a good thing. Right. And that doesn't mean you don't respect and that you're not honored and all that to be at Notre Dame. But it's like, of course I'm at Notre Dame because I plan to go to the best. Exactly. And I'm going to show you that I'm the best. And that's what we're talking about. Because sometimes I think people can misconstrue that, Ryan, as like, well, you know, he's not a – you know, he's not, he, he doesn't value, you know, respect or this or whatever, this other nonsense, right? There's, it's not, a, there's, it's not about that, right? There's no greater respect to Notre Dame than showing up every day, ready to work. No right. greater respect than that. Right. Absolutely. So that's kind of where I'm at with this group, Ryan. And, and, you know, look, it's, it's got to start now. All right. If, if, if we hear that they're struggling through spring ball, it's going to make me a little bit nervous. I'm not going to lie to you. It's going to make me a little bit nervous. It's time to see it. It's time to see that group step up. And then it's kind of comes down to this last part of this, Ryan, is what does the future hold a wide receiver? When when we do these things, we want to look to the future. And I think that's why we spent time talking about how important this is for Chancey Stuckey. Because what he can't do is he can't do what happened in the past, which is you have a really good receiving core, and then the next year it's like, you know, and that was under Dell Alexander's under the previous coaches where, you know, you'd have that, that that great 15 and 16 receiving core. And then in 17, it's like, you know, nothing. And then in 14, it was basically nothing. You need to start doing what Bama does, what Georgia does, what Ohio State does, and that's do it every year. I mean, so Marvin Harrison and Nemeka Ibuka were just dudes, just absolute studs for Ohio State, right? I mean, they were just great. That's a, I mean, it was without question, Ryan, the best receiving core class in the country. In, in my opinion, in 2021, it was certainly in the conversation for second or third at worst, and I, and worse. And I, and I think it was, I think it was the best because they also got Jaden Ballard, who was a four-star kid uh, who hasn't done a ton, but they had him. Right. So what do they do in the next year's class? They got there and get another really good receiving core. They got Caleb Burton from Texas. who's a good player. I thought he's a little over a good player. They got a kid named uh, Keon Graves, who, Graves from Arizona, who I loved as a route runner. Like a Chris, it was a Chris Olave type of kid, right? Garrett Wilson type of kid. They got Koji Antwi from Georgia, who's a really talented player. And they got Caleb Brown from Chicago, who I love as a player, as you know. And so, that boy, that's, that's really good. That's back-to-back receiving classes. So then what do they do in 2023? They go and get Brandon Ennis, arguably the best receiver in the country, uh, Cardinal Tate, Noah Rogers, and no one's talking about Bryson Rogers because of how good the other three guys are. And that's where it needs to get to for Notre Dame. That it, it can't just be you have that one great class. It can't just be of that second. You need to start stacking these classes on top of each other. And so to me, that's where we're going to find out over the next 12 months, right? 11 months, 10 months, whatever, how good – Chancey Stuckey and Tom Reese are at really building an elite group because it's not just that one class, but can you, people say, well, how, how are you going to convince them to come back out? Well, Alabama does it. Georgia does it. Oh, you know, Ohio state does it. So part of it is the product you put on the field. The product yes. you put on the field is good enough. Then you can start doing that. So number one, put a good product on the field that comes down to coach Stuckey doing his job, doing his part. And the product's going to be there. And then the second part of that is, is working your butt off to say, hey, I'm not settling for that group. I, I'm not, oh, we'll take the year off because that group's really good. We'll focus on building up 20. Nope, I don't, nope, that's not the, the best teams do. So I want to see that he can go out and get me the, another really good receiving core. Is it going to be a bunch of five stars? No, I don't care. I, have to, I don't care about that. I just care about me looking at it and saying, boy, that's a big time group right there. 
off to a great start with Cam Williams. But honestly, that's the guy you should get. I, I mean, I'm sorry. Chicago kid. It's yeah, not that you right. didn't. I mean, they had to come back I mean, and no, get him yeah. because they started from behind and all that other stuff. That's fine. But with all due respect, you should never miss on a kid from Chicago if you want him. It just shouldn't happen. Right. And so great start. But that 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 is a great start. It's what you did. It's the benefit of having Chicago being getting better and better and better, producing talent, getting back to you know maybe closer to the way it used to be. Because there's a there's a twenty there's some twenty twenty five kids in Chicago as well. Have you seen the D lineman from Fenwick yet, Ryan? Did, did Sean Davis show you that kid? I Wait till so. I send you his film. Yeah. He was the guy that got defensive player in the league that year, not Justin Scott. Right. And so he's a dude, looks like a grown up. Uh, there's a couple quarterbacks in the 2025 kid. I watched film of an Ethan Plum kid. Who's, I mean, they're, they're raising the level in Chicago. I don't know why. I don't know how, whatever, but it's starting to get back there. You should lock that down. So, Kudos to Chancey Stuckey for doing something the previous coaching staff should do. But that doesn't show me, yep, he's ready for round two. No, no. Sure. It's what you add with Cam that defines that. Because that Dell Alexander got Tobias Merriweather in his last class. Okay. What else did you have? Nothing. Because when it comes signing day, CJ Williams is gone anymore and Walker was gone. So it didn't matter. You got one dude. So is it going to be Cam Williams and just some okay guys that you got because you missed out on everybody else? Or is he going to be able to say, hey, look, I'm going to get another one. And that's something I'm curious to see. You know, can you go get a Brito Richardson out of Florida? Can you go get an Emmett Mosley out of California? Can you go battle for, a, a, you know, some of the top players in the class? You know, can you can you get back in it with Micah Hudson or not? Say, well, it might be a little too hard, Micah Hudson, because you didn't have an offense on the field that's going to attract him and you're just going to be too far behind by the time your offense starts putting out. Okay, that's fair. I mean, would you say that's a fair – I mean, I can't really fault – that's not Chancey's fault, Stucky's fault. No. You know what the offense did this year? Can you go get a Josiah Brown? Can you can you convince some of those top players, Jeremiah McClellan? And and here's the big one. Here's the big fish that's still on the board, right? Can you convince Ryan Wingo to come play for you, right? Like with all due respect, Ryan Wingo is the kind of guy that that you should get if you're Notre Dame. I'm sorry, five star kid from a really good private school in St. Louis. I'm I'm sorry, you should be able to get that kid. High academic kid, not not, not the super NIL kid like some receivers are. He's going to look at NIL like every other big-time player should look at NIL. It should be part of your conversation, but he's not going to go to the school that gives him the biggest upfront guarantee NIL package. I don't think that's going to be a factor for him the way that it is for others, to your point. And so you got to get those guys because you now have to show me that you can stack these classes on top of each other. And that's what he showed he can do step one, right? But now step two is the most important part. And that is, can you do it consistently? Because there's a school about, I don't know, about four hours southeast to here, four to five hours southeast to here that can show them they can do that. You can go get Southern kids and, and have them come up north and play in the cold. If you if you put a good enough product on the field, they'll do it. Because, mm-hmm. yeah, Carnell Tate's from Chicago. But where are the rest of those dudes from? Chris Olave was from California. Right, Garrett Wilson, Wilson was from, from Texas. Texas. Yep. Marvin Harrison Jr. Where does where, where was he playing ball at? Was he was he in Florida? Where was Marvin playing ball at? I don't remember where he was playing ball at. To be completely honest with you, but you know, last year's class, you look. Brandon Innes is from Florida. Bryson Rogers from Florida. Noah Rogers is from is from is from uh, North Carolina. You know, as you as you said, the uh, we talked about how good that t- 2021 class was, right? Marvin Harrison was from Pennsylvania, and you got a Mecca Ibuka from Washington. So you're going all over the country and getting kids to come play for you. And Notre Dame's got to be able to do that. Notre Dame's got to be able in a, in a couple of years to be able to go get the Marvin Harrison next time, right? 
I mean, a kid from Philadelphia, I mean, you know, why are you not a player for that kid? He went to St. Joseph. He went to a Catholic school in Philadelphia. But why didn't you get him? Why would you go to Notre Dame over Ohio State if you're a receiver? Right? That's the question mark. And so I think that's the that's the challenge that that Coach Stuckey has. But it's also the challenge to me that Coach Reese has. Because for me, when you get into these scenarios, the receivers coach can only do so much. You have to have a situation where the system is in place that if I bring you the receivers, so if, if I'm Chansey Stuckey talking to Tom Reese, if I bring you the receivers, if I coach them up and get them to know how to play this game at a high level, you've got to now put them in, you've now got to make sure that the system is in, is created where they can go produce. Now, I'm not saying Notre Dame's receivers are going to kind of produce the way Ohio State's offense is. It's a different offense, but they don't have to produce that way. They just have to be really good. They just have to be guys that can kind of go out there and, and have production, be high draft picks. Because that's the whole point is if chance if Tommy Reese can put an offense on the field that allows these guys to produce numbers, then it makes it even easier for Coach Stuckey to go out and recruit and Coach Reese to go out and recruit. So that's that's the reality of it, right? So I was just talking about how it's not just Chancey Stuckey, though, it's also Tommy Reese putting the system in place a lot of the production. So we've got to see that Coach Stuckey can be that guy. I think he is based, but that's more, but that's a projection based on what he did in year one. He's not going to go show it. And sure. I think the big litmus test for me is going to be Ryan Wingo. Now that doesn't mean if Ryan Wingo's not in the class, it means that he didn't do a good job. I'm not saying that, but it's it's going to tell me if he's an elite recruiter. If you get Ryan Wingo in this class, it tells me you're an elite recruiter. And and that's what I'm curious to see from him. And if Ryan Wingo goes somewhere else initially, do you have the, you know, chutzpah to say, I don't care, right? Because we talked about this last year with Mike Mickens. There was a time when, when Christian Gray had Notre Dame a distant third behind LSU and Ohio State because they were the hot programs, just like Tennessee is now for Ryan Wingo. But Mike Mickens said, I don't care. You, you, you can feel however you want to feel right now about Ohio State and LSU because I know when it's all said and done, I know where you're going to be. And that's what he did. And look where Christian Gray is right now. He's yep. not far down the street and, from me right now at the University of Notre Dame. And, and Mickens has taken a, a similar vantage point to Caleb Beasley in 2024 as well. Like, I'm not giving up on that kid just because he's just because he's committed to the University of Tennessee. Like, I'm going to stay on, in on him and we'll see what happens at the end. And, I mean, I agree. I think that that's something that you want to see from Chansey because – I mean, you saw a lot of great things, right? I mean, it, it's uh, getting a Jane Greathouse is no, <laughs> I mean, getting Jane Greathouse and Braylon James and Rico Flores, and that's substantial. I mean, and I mean, the point blank period too is, Brian, we, we talked a lot about the Texas kids, but Rico Flores would not be in this class right now if it wasn't for this new staff and Chancey Stuckey. Sure. Like, he wouldn't be. He wouldn't be, well, right? So and they caught a little bit of a break too, right? Sure. Which is the school he wanted to go to filled up with other dudes. Sure. I mean, that's just if if Ohio State, let's be real now, maybe they would have flipped them later. But if Ohio State would have pushed and wanted Rico Flores, he probably commits to Ohio State. I do think Notre Dame would have beat Georgia for him, mm-hmm. but I think he would have gone to Ohio State. But that's OK. Take advantage of those opportunities when they come. Okay. Ohio State's done it. And and so, I mean, C.J. Stroud probably would have been a lot harder to get out of California if USC didn't suck. Let's be real about that. And if they wanted him, well. Big mistake by Ohio State or by USC, uh, and and kudos for Ohio State. They took advantage of that, and, and so 
I don't care how you get them here. I don't care who might have passed. Just get them here. That's the key. And then the other thing, too, is what helps us having CJ Carr. Because somebody made a great point, uh, and I want to bring this up. I think it was Logan. uh, I almost said Logan Thomas, but that was that's the kid that's uh, committed to Notre or not committed to Notre Dame, but Notre Dame just offered recently. That was a slip of the tongue. He is not committed to Notre Dame. I just wrote his name down today because he's yeah yeah yeah. because he's they're visiting him. I I, I'm not predicting they're going to get him, so people take that and run with it. But Logan Thayer said uh, CJ Carr being committed and still attending seven on seven events is huge for wide receiver recruiting, especially when you consider that Ryan Wingo and Jeremiah McClellan and TJ Moore are on his seven on seven team. So yeah, it helps. Still, still wild to think about, man. I was telling yeah. Brian, I was telling Brian, everyone the the other day. I was just like texting CJ, and I'm just like, man, how did you how did you work that out, man? How did you get that wide receiver yeah. group? Like that's bonkers, man. It's, yeah, it's insane. Yeah. So yeah, great point though. Great point. Yeah. So that's a uh, that's the final piece of this We're moving forward is because like. This they're Notre Dame's in a good place for the next few years at receiver, in my opinion. But pretty soon, it's just once that class goes, you're 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 down if you're not able to build on it, and that's going to okay. be the key. You know, that's going to be a key. So Ryan, this is an interesting group, as we mentioned. I really don't know what to expect. I just know what I hope for, and what I think this unit's capable of and i think that more than anything is we're not talking about notre dame anymore from a standpoint of i hope this good player can become great i hope this okay guy can can master the technique and and play above his talent level i hope this guy doesn't get hurt because after that they've got not a lot which is where we've been at receiver for years and so to me when i look at it and i say Boy, this group has got a chance to be good. You know, in 2019, if you could take Cole, if you could take Chase Claypool out of the game, you had a decent shot at slowing Notre Dame offense down. You can't really if if this group has the potential for that not to be a thing anymore, and that's what I'm really excited about. What I'm really looking forward to is if it can get to the point where it's capable of. The reason I'm excited is because there's a lot of talent. That's young talent because here's the deal: they have kid ten kids on scholarship. One's a walk on former walk-on, and the other five are true sophomores or true freshmen. So it is young. So I don't expect it to reach its full potential where everybody reaches their full potential this year. But the the point is there's enough talent where some combination of five of those dudes are going to really step up and be really, really good. And that's really Mm -hmm. all you need. The other guys can be role players this year and then eventually become dudes. But if you can give me that, I feel really good about how this group is going to be. And if it's as good as it can be for this season, all of a sudden this Notre Dame offense becomes scary good because you know the line's going to be there. You know the running back is going to be there. You know the tight end room is going to be at least solid. And you've got a you've got talented quarterback. This group now has no more excuses. You've got numbers, you've got talent, and you've got all the other positions around that are in a good position. It's time for them to say, okay, no more excuses. Coach them up and then go out and play. And if they can do that at a high level, uh, the level they're capable of, this is going to be a fun year to, to be someone who likes the pass game and likes talented receivers. That's how I feel, right? Yeah. No, I mean, it's, it's, I feel like it's the ultimate wild card, Brian. Like it really feels like that, doesn't it? I mean, at least offensively, because again, you have your proven products, right? You have Sam Hartman coming in and Tyler Buckner and a lot more talent in that quarterback room than you've had in recent years. You've, Probably have more answers there. You have a dynamic 
group of running backs. I mean, so much so that there's going to be some really talented running back that is running back six on the depth chart this year. <laughs> like it's just kind of the, that's the bottom line to it, man. Like that running back room is absolutely ridiculous. And the offensive line, I expect to take a massive step forward in the second year of Harry Heastan. If if the first year was any indication down the stretch of the season of how good this unit can be with Joe Walt and Blake Fisher and Z Corral in the middle, you know, I think that replacing the two guards and giving those guys a second year with Harry Heastan is going to be a big, big plus for this team. But at the end of the day, the wide receiver unit has a lot of talent. There's no doubt. I mean, there's a lot of bodies. There's a lot of talent. There's a lot of former four stars to your earlier point. But if they hit their potential, then how do you stop this offense? How do you stop it? Because I think the run game is going to be there. I think quarterback's going to be way better, obviously, and more consistent. If the wide receivers are playing at a high rate and the offensive line's good, pick your poison at that point, man. I mean, again, give Coach Reese and this offensive coaching staff as many options as possible. And if they do, I think that this offense could be one of the best in college football. But at the end of the day, I think it is going to hinder a lot on how good this wide receiver unit is. Is it a good unit? Is it a great unit? I think there's some separation that could happen, but I think it has the potential to be one of the better units in college football. But that is the potential talk again. That is not the production talk yet. So that's going to be it for this particular topic. We've got a mailbag coming up next, and we're going to keep having these kind of breakdowns of the the various groups here in the offseason here moving forward. Uh, but that's going to do it for this portion of the show. So hang around. Don't go anywhere, everybody, because we do have a mailbag coming up. We've already got 27 different question stars and a lot of really good stuff coming up. So before we do get to that, though, please do us a favor. Hit that like button. Hit the subscribe button. Hit the notification bell. Share this podcast. Make sure you sign up for our message board at boards.irishbreakdown.com. We also have our newsletter has been up and running. We've been getting that out on a daily basis here moving forward. And, you know, we need all the help we can get because apparently I need to now start paying for more for better Ryan's Internet here moving forward. So we can get him rocking and rolling. But uh, uh, in, in all seriousness, though, we do appreciate all your support. I know a lot of you should be receiving your Gold Club mugs and T-shirts and such soon. I know a lot of people have already reached out. Bob O'Day in the chat got his. So uh, hopefully you guys enjoy those. Uh, the, that is for those that don't know. If you are a Shamrock Blue or Gold Club member, it used to just be you did it to support us, and you're still doing it just to support us, and we just all we could really afford to do is give you a, a thank you. Well, you know, we, we had a good year, and, and I really felt it was important to really support the people that have supported us or, or give more of a thanks to the people who supported us. So now, if you're a Gold Club member, you get a free IB Gold Club t-shirt, a free IB Club mug. If you are a Blue or Shamrock Club member, you you get the IB Club mug which we're very excited about. And if you have already signed up for those clubs in the past, you will get grandfathered in, and you a lot of those have been sent out as well. And if, if you upgrade from a current membership to those, again, you're, you're a part of it as well. So we certainly, certainly appreciate all of the support there uh, and, and the people that have helped us, uh, really helped us grow. It's been a fun three years of growth, uh, and we're just, we're just now getting started. We have a, I did post the editor position yesterday, Ryan. We've had a bunch of people already reach out for interest there. So hopefully we'll be able to start getting some interviews here set up here very soon to uh, move on to that job. And then we'll, we'll look for the next hire right after that. So uh, anyway, before we get to that mailbag, I just want to thank everybody for that. If you're listening via podcast form, please give us a five-star review. We'd greatly appreciate that. And don't forget, sign up for the CFB Nation podcast app as well. And also check out our videos on YouTube for CFB Nation and Irish Breakdown. <laughs> we
Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.